What is going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the EPA podcast brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation. I'm one of your hosts today, Victor Williams. You can follow me on all social platforms at the Philly Pod. Be sure to subscribe to BGN Radio on Apple iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you get your shows. Be sure to leave those reviews, rate five stars, all that good stuff as we gear up for the Eagles' first playoff matchup of this uh, postseason against the New York Giants who are coming off a big win. I don't know if you can call it an upset, but you can call it a big win over the uh, Minnesota Vikings. I'm here with my co-host. As always, you can follow him on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. Be sure to go subscribe to his YouTube channel where he does all his uh, player breakdowns and play breakdowns and all that fun stuff. He is Shane half Shane. You asked me before the show, uh, did I enjoy a stress-free weekend of football? It wasn't for me because I sports gamble. So it's the furthest thing from uh from from stressful or stress free uh for me but how'd the weekend go for you just taking it easy and uh were you pulling for a certain team i know we had a we had a talk last week about who we would prefer to see uh the the, the eagles face your team is the vikings you wanted to see them in the championship game they didn't even make it out the first round so sorry to uh sorry you have to deal with that yeah no i mean I like that. that would have been the most satisfying path but i was definitely pulling for the giants in this game i think uh, and we'll get into it, but I think the Giants are a better matchup than obviously the Cowboys would be for the Eagles. So uh, I think it played out the way that the Eagles would want it to, other than Seattle not being able to get the job done against the 49ers, which nobody expected, but at halftime it looked like they could. And of course, obviously I was pulling very hard for the Jaguars. Um, <laughs> and I was watching the Jaguars game on the couch uh, with my wife. She never watches football with me, but I got her to watch the game and when it went to like 27-0 and then the punt goes off the guy's helmet and the Chargers got the ball again I was like we can go watch a show or something if you want to this is this is brutal and so we did we watched like a 30-minute sitcom and then I was like you know they scored before half I'm gonna endure this I'm gonna watch it you know I'm gonna be there for Doug and so I actually did get to watch that whole comeback and I had a tweet that I put out after the ball went off the guy's helmet that was like, I said, I would be devastated if the Eagles playoff game went this way. I'm just gutted for Jags fans. And of course I had to old takes expose myself on that one after the game, but uh, that was an insane game, obviously the game of the weekend. And that was the one I was most excited about. And it was fun to see Doug get that win. Yeah. I actually uh, dozed off at halftime for, for, for that game. I had a uh, back to the sports gambling thing. I just had a two Austin Eckler and Travis Etienne. It's the only things I need to happen. A nice little two leg, two leg thing. And I dozed off at halftime and woke up and saw the chart uh, and saw that the Jaguars won. So I was like, Oh my God, Etienne had to have gotten in the end zone on one of the, Nope, sure didn't all four touchdowns and not, not one Etienne. So, so that's bad luck. That's bad luck there. But yes, good on Doug Peterson for getting that win, sharing that franchise around. Um, getting Trevor Lawrence out of his own head for interceptions. That's hard to that's hard to forget about. And Trevor Lawrence remained headstrong and they pulled they 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 pulled that off. So good on uh good on Doug Peterson. They have a tall task ahead of them though. Arrowhead, is it? They they gotta face the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Doug Andy Doug versus Andy. Doug. Oh man, that's gonna be that's, that's gonna like, be something to do. For Eagles fans, that's like the battle of your exes, right? You got, yeah, you got yeah, Doug exactly. Peterson, Andy Reid, and I think Doug played for Andy as well, didn't he? I think he played under Andy. Mm-hmm. At some yeah, he played under him. I think, played, I think we'll use played him. loosely. He was a backup quarterback under Andy. So <laughs> he was uh, on the roster. Of, he was a on lot the of roster. mentor mentee things going on there. That I don't think that'll be a particularly good game, but it'd be cool if the Jags could go give them a good game. 
Yeah, let's all let's all hope so. So my my ideal scenario is still alive. Remember last week I said Giants and then Dallas in the championship game and then and then and then the Chiefs, you know, take down the MVP that that beat you out. And that that is still ahead. Obviously, it'd be nice if the 49ers, you know, stomp them in the ground, even though I will say I would prefer to play Dallas over San Francisco right now. Uh, but, but we can obviously talk about that down the road. But, man, I, I think the league is pulling for that Dallas Eagles NFC Championship game. If, if the script writers are, are at work here, it's, it's, it's looking like they might, be, they, they, they might be shaping that up. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. But, yes, the Giants. Uh, would you consider this an upset for the Giants beating the Vikings? Not for us Eagles fans because we've known for as long as time that the Vikings are frauds. But is the league viewing this as an upset? Would you consider this an upset that the Giants did? I mean – the Giants were slight underdogs, right? Weren't they like two point underdogs or something All like right. that? So not that much, huh? So, but you know, it's in Minnesota, so that means Vegas thinks that the Giants are a slightly better team uh, when you take home field advantage into account for that. I saw somebody say this on Twitter, and I can't remember who, so I can't credit them, but uh, they said that if you go to a casino and you're playing roulette and you put all your money on red. And 11 times in a row, you win at the roulette table. The hotel is not going to like kick you out or they're going (laughs) to comp your room. They're going to want you to stay because they want their money back and they know your luck is going to run out. And the giant or the the Vikings luck ran out. They were 11 and 0 in one score games. And and that finally came back to bite them. So I don't I don't really view it as an upset. I picked the Giants to win. I thought the Mm -hmm. Giants had a good shot to win. I mean, the Vikings needed a 61 yard field goal to beat them in week I think it was 16 or 17 it was at the end of the season Mm -hmm. um I thought the Giants would probably win this game and the Giants were never supposed to be here like their roster is bad you you go back to the start of the year and even Brian Dable was like it's a work in progress and this was supposed to be the rebuilding year and yet here they are and they didn't only make the playoffs but they won a playoff game they're going to the Mm -hmm. divisional round now so it's a really good year for the Giants um Hopefully it comes to a screeching halt this weekend, (laughs) Uh, but giants fans should feel good about the direction of their franchise. And they're going to have a Daniel Jones decision to make this off season. I mean, he played the best game of his career. He went 24 of 35 for 301 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, He rushed for 78 yards. And now granted it was against the 25th ranked defense and EPA per dropback, the 27th ranked defensive DVOA defense. And so This was a bad defense. Make no mistake about it. Daniel Jones should have looked good against them. Mm -hmm. I do think that might be getting a little bit too much uh, airtime. But he looked good in this game and he didn't make mistakes. And uh, we'll see if he can keep up that little bit of a hot streak against the Eagles this coming weekend. Yeah, the Vikings, I I want want fans and we'll get into a lot of fans are suddenly like we we spent all last week talking about the potential opponents and the majority of them. I even did a poll. I did a poll. and The majority of them said we want to play the Giants of the four possible of the four possible opponents. And now this week, everybody's screaming like, oh, I don't know the Giants. Oh, you can't you can't uh, slack off against the Giants. Oh, we're overestimating or underestimating the Giants. Now, I don't know when this flip in the script happened because they look good against, to your point, the 31st worst pass defense, the only pass defense that allowed more yards per game. This season was Detroit, and the Minnesota's right underneath them. Their secondary is garbage. The only reason Daniel Jones looked like anything resembling a franchise quarterback is because the Minnesota Vikings cannot stop a nosebleed through the air. So I don't need fans watching Daniel Jones and seeing what he did and be like, oh, man, oh, he's going to carve up the Eagles defense. And I understand that to end the season, we didn't uh, end the season on the highest note possible. I know people starting to sour on the way Darius Slay has been playing. James Bradbury has still been very good. Um, CJ should should be healthy enough. They'll move him around in the slot and have blanket ship on the back end because it doesn't appear that Avante Maddox is going to be going to be ready for this game. But I don't know 
why the panic level has suddenly like (laughs) raised to an astronomical level uh, with with the fans. But Shane, I'll ask you, after watching that game, I don't know how necessarily you felt against the Giants prior to the game, but after seeing that, and uh, I I put out a tweet, we can go through the results in a minute, about I asked fans on a scale of 1 to 10, what is their confidence level of the Eagles beating the Giants? And some of them are worried. For, for reasons that I cannot fathom. But what would you say is your confidence level uh, before we actually, you know, pre- preview the whole thing? What would you say is your confidence level of the Eagles beating them after seeing what Daniel Jones and Isaiah Hodgins, who's burst onto the scene out of nowhere, and those guys have uh, did, did against the Vikings? I'd give it like an eight. Um, the Eagles are clearly a better football team. Like an 8.5 or like a solid eight? I give it a solid eight. All right. <laughs> uh, they're they're a they're the better football team in every regard. The if you go through position by position, the only position group that I think you give the Vi- or the the Vikings that you give the Giants the edge at is at running back. You'd rather have Saquon Barkley than Miles Sanders. I mean, that's that's fine. You look at coaching. Um, the Eagles' defensive coaching is better. Now, I think you could make an argument that Brian Dable's a better play caller than Shane Steichen. That's why he's a head coach instead of an OC right now. But it's it's slim. Uh, the Eagles are clearly the better team in almost every regard. And yet, we just watched Wild Card Weekend, where the Bills were clearly a better team than the Dolphins, a division rival. And the Dolphins took them to the brink with a third-string quarterback. We watched the Ravens and the Bengals, division rivals. Cincinnati was clearly the better team. And they needed a scoop and score on a 98-yard fumble re- return from a QB sneak. Like, what are the odds to win that game? You, I will say. You have Seattle. Why. And, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I will say, say this is Seattle why. Seattle and San Francisco, who are also division rivals. And, yeah, the final score wasn't close, but Seattle led that game at halftime. That was closer than the final score indicated. So it, there's no easy games in January, and there's certainly no easy divisional games in January. Uh, but I'm, I'm very confident in this game. The Eagles should win. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a fight. I think people are going to be stressed out going into the fourth quarter. It's not going to be week 14, uh, but I expect the Eagles to take care of business in this one. Yeah, I was going to say that that fumble return is why I've never been a fan of the jumping over the top, outstretching the ball. Like, it's just too many things that can go wrong there. Obviously, it went devastatingly wrong for uh, in that situation for, uh, for Tyler Huntley. So that was, man, and I know that J.K. Dobbins was upset after that. And he was saying if Lamar was in this situation, we wouldn't even be here right now. So why, why am I not getting the ball? Why are we outstretching over the goal line with Tyler Huntley? Why is any of this happening? So the Ravens. Certainly have a, that that off season is going to be fun to watch. I'm going to be on the edge of my seat watching all those theatrics that go on with uh, with, with with Baltimore. But yeah, the Giants. I'm not too worried about it because not only did we put up 48 points on them with with their starters, and I understand they had some banged up players, and but we were also without Dallas Scotter. I think if I remember I remember correctly, I don't think he was in that game. So now we have a starting tight end back. Uh, CJ wasn't in the in the mix either, and he still put up 48 points on their starters. Giants fans are hanging on to the fact. That uh, that the Eagles nearly like collapsed against. First of all, they never collapsed against the second string. It's never once did we think you and I anyway ever think that they were going to lose that game. So I don't know why Giants fans were like, "Oh, we almost pulled off the upset with our second stringers," but I get it. You have to hang on to any hope uh, uh, possible. Where do you stand as far as the matchup against their receivers? Because they're not they're not big names. You know, Darius Slayton is kind of the most recognizable name they have, but Isaiah Hodgins is bursting on in Victor Cruz esque. Uh, you have Richie James, who's been consistent for them. Uh, how, how do you view, do, do you think the Eagles pay more attention to their receivers? Is Isaiah Hodgins and his late resurgence 
uh, uh, make it giving you any giving you any fear? How do you feel about these these Giants receivers as as the Eagles try to to keep them in check? They've got a solid group of position players. Like their roster is not the meme that people want to make it out to be. I mean, you have Isaiah Hodgins. He was signed off the Bills practice squad in November. Mm-hmm. He had eight catches for 105 yards against the Vikings. He's kind of your prototypical X receiver. Uh, they've got Darius Slayton as kind of your prototypical deep threat, your Z receiver. And then they've got Richie James, who's kind of a shifty guy in the slot, can go over the middle, can get those two-way goes out of his routes, the option routes and things. So, like, they quietly have a solid position group or a Mm -hmm. skilled position group on offense. Now, is it the worst remaining group of receivers in the playoffs? It is. But they're not, like, this isn't the Chicago Bears receivers. Like, this isn't the worst receiving unit in the (laughs) NFL. And you've got a quarterback who can extend plays and uh, who can make plays on the ground. So it's not a receiver group you should be afraid of, but it's not one that you can just like make fun of and write them off either. They can make some plays and they're capable of doing that. So uh, it's not a group I'm worried about, but they're competent at receiver, which they weren't competent at receiver in week 14 when, when they matched up. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) We're we're, we're very competent then. I was, I was less, uh, less, I'm not going to say scared, but I didn't really care for their receivers uh, uh, back then. Hodgins has opened my eyes a little bit only because I've been betting on Richie James and Hodgins keeps catching balls. And I'm like, I thought Richie James was the, was the, was the guy, but apparently Hodgins is becoming the the, the focal point of that, of that uh, offense as well. Uh, Before we we can get into the Saquon of of it all, I want to ask about your your take on the myth that it's difficult to beat an opponent three times in the year because that's what i'm seeing most fans are 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 skeptical skeptical against and i asked on twitter for people to give me their 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 scale of one to ten on how they feel about the game this one guy said six and a half because it's hard to beat a division rival two times let alone three they're also a team that will hurt you if you let them hang around and run their game plan gotta beat them early and force them to take risks they protect the ball well which is a heck of a statement considering the amount of turnovers Daniel Jones has in his career. So what side of the fence are you on in regards to you can't beat a division opponent three times in a season? Um, so is it really hard to beat a team three times? I don't think so, personally. But I mean, like, yeah, that's the running narrative. <laughs> since, since 1970, there's been 21 times where a team that swept the the season series played in the playoffs and they're 14 and 17. So 66% of the time, the team that swept the regular season also won the playoff game. So, I mean, it, it, and it's also, did they really play three times? I mean, what was week 18? Mm-hmm. Like they played, they played twice, yeah, but that was a preseason game. That's that was, was a preseason. It was backups against a vanilla scheme. It doesn't really mean anything. And so uh, I don't think that's necessarily the thing, but you are playing a division rival who knows everything you want to do. You know, everything that they want to do and division games can get weird. So it's got less to do with beating them three times and more to do with just playing a division opponent. If they split one and one, I would still feel the same about this game going into it just because it's the familiarity. That's where weird things happen. I think it has a lot less to do with beating them three times more to do with just facing a team three times. Yeah, uh, the people keep saying that. Oh, the Giants know us well, but the Eagles know them too. It's not a one-sided. It's not a one-sided thing. The Eagles know them, know them fairly well, and this is why I didn't really care. You, you as well. When we talked about it, is why we didn't really care about, or we didn't really care uh, that the Eagles went bare bones against the Giants because they they were pretty aware that there's a chance that they could face them, and they didn't want to. They didn't want to like show their hand and show potentially of what they could do in the postseason, which is why Sirianni <laughs> went with his uh, 10 play uh, game plan and all 
and all that kind of things. And then all the fans were like, that doesn't really matter. We played them a million times. So it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I think that goes a long way into how you can game plan for a postseason game because all the tape, they're not going to go back and look at tape from five years ago. Maybe some teams will, but for the most part, they're going to look at what happened this season and Sirianni not, not laying everything out in week 18 against the backups. I think we'll, we'll, we'll pay off dividends um, um, for them. For the Giants, the main guy on offense, obviously, is going to be Saquon Barkley, who is now becoming as lethal of a receiver as he is a, a, a running back. He believed, uh, I believe he had five catches. Uh, let me let me see. Saquon had where's his where's his uh, reception? Five catches for 56 yards last week, in addition to the uh, to the 53 yards he had on the ground. Daniel Jones was the leading rusher, of course, because that's the way that that that's the way it went. What is going to be the best game plan to try and nullify Saquon Barkley, who has seemed to turn it up a notch? He had a little kind of uh, uh, stretch during the season where he cooled off a little bit, but he's he's looked like the, the Saquon Barkley that the Giants were hoped they were going to get when they drafted him uh, back, back in the day. Yeah, this can become a little dicey for the Eagles because there's things you can do against quarter-style defenses to isolate your running back on, on a linebacker. If you go into trip sets, you know, three receivers on one side of the field. That means your weak side safety is keying across to that number three receiver uh, on the strong side. And so that essentially means if your halfback comes out of the backfield, the weak side linebacker, which would be Kazir White, is responsible for him in man-to-man coverage. And so there's things that the Giants can do to isolate Kazir White on Saquon Barkley in the receiving game. And that could be a problematic matchup. Kazir White hasn't been the best in coverage over the last, you know, several weeks. And so that's something the Eagles are going to have to watch out for. Um, hopefully, you know, you're able to get pressure on Daniel Jones and not let routes develop downfield, but even those quick breaking routes over the middle. So it's something they're going to have to be aware of. Um, I, th- I think this is a good game for the Jonathan Gannon style of defense. Um, the The Giants want to get explosive plays, right? If you look at what they did against the Vikings, they scored a five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, a four-play, 81-yard touchdown, six-play, 75-yard touchdown drives. They're about those quick strikes. Like, can you make Daniel Jones check the ball down and execute 12 to 14-play drives? Like, that's what the Eagles' offense is built around. The question is, can Daniel Jones do it? He's not the style of quarterback. He's not the caliber of quarterback that tends to dice up the Eagles defense and the Eagles allow the fewest yards per play in the NFL. They don't give up explosive plays. And so I think the, the Eagles defense is going to try to keep them underneath. They're going to try to rush the passer. They're going to try to keep Daniel Jones in the pocket. And if he breaks the pocket because of that style of defense, you're going to have eyes on him. So I I think the giants, one way they're going to try to counter that is they're going to get up on the line of scrimmage 12, 13 personnel, put extra tight ends. They're going to try to get heavy and run the ball. The Eagles have struggled to stop the run, right? They like to play light personnel. They like to play nickel and dime personnel. It's imperative that you can stop the run out of your four down sets in this game because the moment that they get you into those five down sets, all of a sudden Saquon's motioning out to the slot and they're going empty backfield. And now out of a five down set, you're trying to defend that. And so uh, I think the Giants are going to go heavy. I think they're going to try to run you into those five down fronts and then throw the ball. The Eagles are going to have to come downhill and stop the run out of their four down sets. Yeah, they're going to have to do that as well as trying to to contain Daniel Jones, who seemingly 
uh, now decides. You know what? You know what I've realized watching that uh, that Minnesota game. I feel like Dayball. <laughs> not not that this was the case, but I feel like he looked a lot at Sirianni's playbook because I'm seeing QB power. I'm seeing like read options that I haven't seen all year long. So I'm like, dang, <laughs> like they're using Daniel Jones like uh like like Jalen Hurts out there. Well, healthy Jalen Hurts. We'll get into his, his health and all and and all that coming up after the break. But the the Eagles. Ha- I don't want to say they have been susceptible to uh, to, to, to to rushing quarterbacks because I think they've done a good job to this point of 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 containing them. But Daniel Jones finds a way to to to, to rack up a rushing yard against the defense dating back to his uh you know infamous trip over nothing and falling down in the in the red zone a couple of years back. Are you does does that worry you more? Does his legs worry you more so than his arm? Even as great as Daniel Jones looked last week. Yeah, it does because when you have a mobile quarterback like that. It, it may your rush lane integrity becomes really important mm. and you can't just tee off and take the shortest path to the quarterback all the time because you've got to be able to keep contain. And so uh, that along with the play action game, it has the ability to slow down the Eagles pass rush, which is huge. Um, the, the giants offensive line has been a little problematic. Uh, Evan Neal had the lowest pass block rate at 71.9% of any offensive tackle in wildcard weekend. He's, he really struggled against the Vikings. Um, Andrew Thomas, who had a really good year uh, in week 14, when they played Josh sweat, beat him up and took his lunch money, like made him look bad. And so the Eagles have some good matchups here. The problem is if the mobility of the quarterback can flatten out your rush angles, if it can do some of those things, all of a sudden your pass rush maybe isn't as good. And then Daniel Jones can sit in the pocket and start to try to dice you up. The Eagles, uh, I saw this stat floating around. They're first in the league in sack percentage, but they've been 15th in average time to sack. Like the coverage behind has been good. The pass rush has heavily benefited from that. Um, the coverage is going to have to be extra good in this game because I'm not sure you're going to be able to pin your ears back and just rush the passer. Uh, you're going to have to be cognizant of Daniel Jones' ability to run with the football. The Eagles have allowed 448 rushing yards to QBs during the regular season, which is actually fourth most of any team in football. So if there's, they're going to have to be mindful of, of, of Daniel Jones and and all that because he looked he looked like a man on a mission last week and i know that the giants are going to have to make a choice they didn't pick up his option i believe prior to the season so that they're going to have to answer that question it looks like they they based on how he's played in the postseason and to end the year uh that they that they might decide to, to roll with him for at least another season to see how that goes uh but brian dayball certainly we we knew when uh once they hired him that this is going to be a different giants team because we've seen what he did in buffalo we all know mike kafka who's who's getting uh different different coordinator and coaching interviews as we speak uh, we knew the coaching staff was gonna was gonna turn that franchise around, and they'd certainly done so. And now there is three NFC East teams in the divisional round, which is a far cry from being the NFC least. I think it was last year, the year prior. We we had a lot of teams with losing records <laughs> that, that that we were like, oh my goodness, are, are we gonna have a, a seven to nine team make 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 the postseason? And now the NFC East has seemingly turned over a new leaf as well. Uh, any final points you want to hit on before we go to break? When we come back, we'll talk Jalen Hurts' injury, why the Eagles are kind of if if why the Eagles are making such a big deal about it, if he's not on an injury report and we can also talk about uh, Miles Sanders comments and then what you would kind of do, uh, do, do with him in the future as well as continuing to preview this game. 
Yeah, I, I've got a conspiracy theory for you, but we'll oh, save wow. that one Here for we go. after the break. <laughs> God, yeah, let me get my breath together for that. Appreciate you guys for listening to the EPA podcast right here on BGN Radio. Be sure to keep it locked here. Bleeding Green Nation, we're going to go to a quick break. Come back, talk Jayla Hurts, Miles Sanders, and Shane's apparent uh, conspiracy theory. <laughs> Thank you guys. Just stay tuned. We'll be right back. And we are back here from the break on the EPA podcast. I hope you guys had a chance during the break to go grab your tinfoil hats if you want to go ahead and put those on. I've got a conspiracy theory that I want to float by you, Victor, and, and mm. by you listeners. I put this out on Twitter earlier today. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Victor, do you remember during the Doug Peterson era, the injury designation that every player got? Every player that got hurt, what were they listed as? Every player that got hurt was well, they got rid of the probable, right? So they don't have that anymore. Yeah, well, so, it's I, just... so Doug would always say guys were day to day, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that? yeah. Like, <laughs> like Eagles fans would groan because it was like a guy is listed as day to day, and we're like, well, we'll see him in a dude, month and a half, right? Dude, Jordan Howard was day to day for like seven weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, this is month to month, dude. Like, they're know. like shoulder stinger day to day, and people were looking it up and like, stinger, you practice in like two days, and he misses seven <laughs> weeks. So, and, and it wasn't just a Doug thing. Last year, this year, Nick Sirianni does not talk about injuries. The Eagles are notoriously tight-lipped about injuries. Why are the Eagles being so forthcoming about Jalen Hurts' injury? Like, you got Jalen Hurts this week saying, you know, I'm glad we had a bye week. I, I might not have been able to go this week. You have Nick Sirianni right after the Week 18 game saying, you know, Jalen was out there, but he hurt like hell all game. And they haven't talked about this. Avante Maddox got hurt and we still don't know what's going on with him. Like it's turf toe, but when's he coming back? Nobody knows. Nobody will talk still about it. Still in a boot. Still right? in a boot, apparently. Like, what is this? Yeah. So why do we have to read between the lines for every injury, but all of a sudden the most important player on the franchise and the Eagles are just like, oh yeah, he's hurt really bad. And they just continue to talk about it. They can't shut up about Jalen Hurts injury. And if it was really that bad, when you needed a first down at the end of that Giants game, would you really run a QB sneak? If the if his shoulder's that bad, are you running a QB sneak there? So my theory, my conspiracy oh, theory, oh, is man. there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on here. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that Hurts was never hurt. He was obviously hurt or he wouldn't have missed games. But he threw the ball well in the Bears game after the injury. Adrenaline's a big thing, whatever. I thought he threw the ball well against the Giants. I think Jalen Hurts might be a, more, a lot closer to 100% than they're acting like. And, and there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on here. Like, yeah, he's really hurt. We're not sure what he's going to be able to do when, when he's nearly a full go. So that's my theory. You can take your tinfoil hat off now. What do you think? <laughs> I think I think there's some – that has to be some truth to that because he spoke with the media yesterday and he said uh, – well, first of all, when I heard that he wasn't on the, uh, the injury report with no injury designation – and then he's he's saying like, oh, everybody knows I'm dealing with something. I'm I'm I got a bounty on my head regardless and all this and that. So maybe the Giants are they're trying to get the Giants to like I because what is the what if you were Nick Sirianni and you're trying to give off the impression that Jalen Hurts is still injured? How does that benefit the team? Like, what do you have to gain from trying to act like that Jalen Hurts is still injured? What does that do for you? I mean, it maybe makes the team think you're not going to utilize the QB running game. Like in week 18, how did the Eagles play? Yeah, I doubt play? that. Giants aren't that dumb. Well, maybe yeah. they are. But, <laughs> well, but it's it's in the back of your head. So I don't know. Uh, it's just, it's very strange. It's very peculiar that they're so talkative about this injury when that has not been their MO at any point in time that I can remember. So uh, you can file that away. 
I'm not saying the injury was fake at all. I think he was definitely injured. He definitely needed to miss those two games. But I just wonder if it's really as serious as they're acting like it is right now. Yeah, I think it's a, I think, I think, yeah, I think because we saw the way he played the end of the Chicago game and he still threw the ball. I think he threw it fairly well, maybe a little less zip than you would have expected from what you've saw from Jalen Hurst to this point. Uh, but I think he looked, yeah, the, the most noticeable thing was obviously the, uh, the, the less runs because they weren't going to bang him up in that game against the Giants. But Jalen Hurts basically said last week, he was like, I'm going to be that same guy. I'm going to be the MVP candidate that you've been watching all season. So I think that that's going to be the uh, the, uh, the the mindset. Whether he's full 100%, I, I, he's probably 80, 90, as close as you can get. Um, but I think that's uh, I think that's a a, a a good point. It's definitely it's definitely not a a blind conspiracy. There's definitely some things that go into it because Sirianni has been has been trying to 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 milk this injury for a while now. Like it's a shoulder sprain, dude. We <laughs> we get it. We get it to this point. Um, but one one thing I wanted to ask you about Shane because this is something that we're going to have to deal with in the in the off season is Miles Sanders because I saw earlier today that he gave his thoughts. And basically addressing Howie Roseman saying, I love Philly, just bring me back. I hope they bring me back. I love you, Howie, and I hope you love me back. So he obviously wants to uh, to to stay put here. And I believe his market value last time I looked was like somewhere around eight, eight and a half million dollars a year. So this is, this is clearly looking ahead. We have a playoff game to, to, to worry about this Sunday. Uh, but based on Miles Sanders' production, 1,100 rushing yards, the first thousand yard uh, rusher of his of his career, are you leaning towards bringing him back for the right price or are you kind of just moving ahead? I'm not saying go ahead and draft Bijan Robinson, who some scouts think the Eagles should take in the first round, which would never happen as long as we're alive. <laughs> but where, where do you kind of stand on the, on the, on the, on the Miles Sanders as he, as he heads into free agency? I would not pay him $8 million a year. Oh man. What? Dang. I mean, what are you going like, to pay him? You that's, like, pay him that's like the eighth highest running back contract in the NFL per average right annual value. Yeah. And I'm not a pay running backs guy. Like, Oh, no yeah, he, he's he's low. Uh, he's low touches. And so he's less likely to kind of fall off that cliff at 25, 26 is some his market value right speed. now. His market value right now is 7.2 million annual pass. I, I wouldn't do that. Oh, my um, God. Really? Yo. I, I just look at Sanders and I like Miles Sanders as a player. But man, running back for the Philadelphia Eagles has the easiest job in the NFL. You're running behind the best offensive line in the game. You got a mobile quarterback, which makes running the ball so much easier. And he's lousy in pass protection and as a receiver. So, like, for me, I would love to have Sanders back. I wouldn't pay him seven, eight million dollars a year, though. There's so many other guys I would rather pay. And like so, who? Like, 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 I mean, what? like, seven million is not like breaking the bank for Miles Sanders. That's what, so like three years. All right. Well, I guess when you say it like that, three years, 21 million sounds kind of high. But, <laughs> but I mean, I, Man, yeah, I'm I mean, I don't, the other I don't know exact number, but and you're also like, here's what's going to happen. The Eagles are going to let him go test free agency. And there's a lot of running backs going to be in free agency this year. And mm-hmm. the Eagles are going to hope his value is not as high as he thinks it's going to be and that they can get him back in like a four or five million dollar ish range. And I, I would take I, I'd like to have him back. I just wouldn't pay market value to do it. Like it's going to have to be you're taking a little bit of a team friendly deal because you think what we're building here is special and you realized you can't go get eight or nine on the open market. And so you're willing to come back at a little bit of a pay cut. So uh, that's the kind of thing I would be looking at. I just don't think the positional value is there, especially in this offense to go pay a running back, you know, top 10 running back money. Yeah. I'm looking at the list of free agents now. Is Saquon a free agent? After this? Is he, did he not get paid? 
I think he oh. is a free agent after this. Oh my year. god! Whoa! Well, oh, there you go. There's a headliner. So I'm looking at the name Saquon Kareem Hunt, who who has been tied to the Eagles for a little bit now. Rashad Penny, Jamal Williams, who broke Barry Sanders' record for touchdowns. Josh Jacobs, obviously a big day. Miles Sanders in the mix as well. So you're gonna have you're gonna have your choice, you know, of who who I doubt Saquon's in the in the, in the mix. Uh, but Josh Jacobs is is a name who who Eagles fans are hoping for. I just man. Al Sanders at seven million doesn't sound terrible, but yeah, in 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 today's league, and when you think about running back shelf life, how many more years, productive years, does Miles Sanders really have? I don't even know how old the guy is. He is he is miles, miles, miles. He is twenty. He'll be twenty six next season. So what he got like two, three more years out of him before the decline starts, and it took him this long to have his first thousand yard season. Anyway, I can I can kind of uh kind of understand that. Yeah, and so don't don't yell at me on Twitter, people. I don't hate Miles Sanders. I think he's a good oh, player. It's coming. It's I coming. just it's coming. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pay that. So <laughs> oh man, it's coming. So I want to touch on uh, the uh, the tweet I put out earlier. I'll read I'll read through some of the responses and get your opinions on how how they feel. I'm going to pick out some of the uh, juicy ones. So I asked on Twitter on a scale of one to ten, what's your confidence level of the Eagles beating the Giants uh, this Saturday in the NFC divisional round? There's a lot of tens in here. Obviously, a lot of a lot of a lot of guys uh, uh, confident. Somebody said, if Gannon only rushes four and drops into a, con- you're gonna love this. If Gannon only rushes four and drops into a constant zone, I'm nervous. Daniel Jones will pick them apart with his arm and legs. I'm at a five right now because I don't trust Jonathan Gannon. Your thoughts on that? Uh, Jonathan Gannon should rush four and drop into zone every play <laughs> because the Giants' offensive line isn't very good. Daniel Jones is not the type of quarterback that's going to consistently do 12 to 14 play drives. Like they need explosive plays. This offense needs explosive plays. When you're clearly the more talented team, you don't invite chaos and variability, which is what blitzing a ton does. So uh, the Eagles coverage has been really good this year. This is not a game that you should really change a lot up there. I think that this is a game that sets up perfectly for the style of defense that Gannon likes to play. So uh, they shouldn't change a thing, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you are you are the uh, the Jonathan Cannon guy. So, who's what? Where do you stand on him? Uh, from what I've heard, uh, obviously there's going to be more interviews and stuff down the road. But Gannon sounds like, from what I've gathered, that he's the he's the front runner uh, for for that job in Houston, which isn't shocking. He impressed a lot last season, and uh, a lot of, a lot of executives and teams respect him uh, uh, around the league. I I think I did ask you this last week, but you're prepared to move on without Jonathan Gannon? You're going to be upset about that, or is Denard Wilson the guy you hope that takes over the mantle there? Where, where are you hoping the Eagles kind of go if, if they do lose again? I mean, I would love for Fangio to be the guy. I know he's getting DC interviews <laughs> right now. Um, and a lot of Eagles fans throw Fangio's name out without realizing he runs basically the same style of defense. Right. But right. Um, I do think the Texans are insane if they hire Jonathan Gannon. Like when you're going to go draft a quarterback to develop, I think it's insane to bring in a defensive coordinator as your head coach. Uh, but that's a tangent for a different day. I just generally wouldn't be hiring defensive coordinators as head coaches. Uh, but yeah, I think the defense, you know, I think they take us, it'll be rough losing Gannon and I, Wilson maybe becomes your guy. I think the Eagles would like to promote from within Fangio is a name to keep an eye on as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so go back to the skills. One guy said 10, no disrespect to the giants, but the Eagles are a far better team from a personnel and performance standpoint. The giants will be a problem for years to come. Just don't see it happening this Saturday. Agree with that? Yeah, yeah, by and large. Other than, you know, crazy things happen in January. I I do think, so a lot of people talk about the week 14 matchup. Say we blew them out in week 14. Because we did. 
And we did. <laughs> the Giants have gotten a lot healthier since week 14. Like yeah, They didn't have true. a Doria Jackson, Xavier McKinney, or Leonard Williams in week 14. Those are three big pieces of their defense, and they're all back now. And since that matchup, they've also changed up their defense. Like Wink, Wink Martindale has been throwing some curveballs with his defense. Weeks 1 through 14, uh, he ranked second in the NFL in man coverage rate and first in blitz rate. Week 15 through 17, it was 13th in man coverage, 5th in blitz rate. Against the Vikings, they only blitzed on like seven snaps, and they played a lot of zone coverage. Uh, They did a lot of bracketing on Justin Jefferson, who torched them in the first game. In the second game, he kind of got off to a quick start. They adjusted, and he had one catch for four yards in the second half. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see what Wink Martindale dials up for the Eagles, because on one hand, it would be nice for them if you could put Adora Jackson on Devonta Smith and then bracket AJ Brown, that's your best chance to sort of live with your coverage, but then you're not blitzing. And if you want to sit back and play zone, their linebackers are atrocious. Dallas Goddard should have a huge game. Like uh, TJ Hawkinson had 10 for 129 yards against their zone coverage. So it's just not in his nature though. I think he wants to blitz and the Eagles offense has struggled against aggressive blitzing, cover one, cover zero blitzing. They, it's taken them from a top offense to kind of an average offense at times. So and I think there's an element of we want to go hit Hurts and make them worry about that and see how healthy he is and if he'll take hits. So I'm curious to see the defensive approach. I do think they're going to come blitz happy, but it wouldn't surprise me if they're a little more varied than they were in week 14 or even week 18 when they kind of dialed up pressure on repeat as well. Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to touch on Dallas Goddard because he wasn't available in the uh in the uh in the in the first matchup when, when all the starters are playing and now he'll be here uh for this game. And the linebackers are dreadful for the Giants from from what I remember <laughs> the, the linebackers uh not very much to write home about there. Now Dallas Goddard, I want to get your thoughts on 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 uh, the potential damage he can do and his prop right now for receiving yards is set at 47 and a half. Do you think that would be for the for the sports betters out there? Do you think that would be a a good prop to bet on? Yeah, I do. Uh, it should be. I mean, it should be a Goddard game, right? Even if you're if you're doing that that cover zero, cover one blitzing, you're still going to have Goddard isolated on a bad linebacker and man coverage. If they're playing zone, you can attack over the middle of the field. So, I, if I was going to bet a player prop there, I would love Dallas Goddard over 47 yards. That should be money in the bank. Yeah, it should be. But so uh, Shane says, throw your rent on it. And if you and if it misses, then, you know, sorry. Then I'm at the <laughs> Philly pod on Twitter. No, no, no I'm not the one that recommended put the check on it. He said put the check on. It. All right. Um, So your conspiracy theory. And we just talked about Wink Martindale. Um, He's speaking with the media right now. And he just his thoughts on they asked him about Jalen Hurts and his injury. Wink Martindale said he's off the injury report. So I'm expecting Jalen Hurts the MVP candidate. So it looks like the Giants aren't buying into your uh, conspiracy over there. It looks like they're preparing for the guy that they watched uh, throughout the whole year. And we'll see how Wink Martindale kind of attempts to counter a healthy Jalen Hurts, a guy we haven't seen probably since that, since that Giants game. Yeah, so he, uh, he should have uh, taken, he should have taken the Micah Parsons route and called him a system quarterback. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. But you know, then we would have had to drop 50 on him. And that, you know, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Wink at least somewhat respects uh, 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 Jalen Hurts. So that's great. So uh, one last thing I want to touch on before before we put a bow on this NFC divisional game. The other one, the San Francisco 49ers against the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are throwing parades and screaming. I know it's their first road playoff win since I've been alive, <laughs> and and all of that. Uh, and they're 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 celebrating, beating down. 
essentially a team that didn't deserve to be in the playoffs, an eight and nine team, a team that is just in turmoil, don't know what's going on. Nobody knows Tom Brady looked like he was checked out for a large part of that game. So I'll ask you this between this game, the one side of it, you have that scary 49ers defense. The other side of it, it is Dallas Cowboys potential uh, NFC East NFC championship game. If you, if hypothetically the Eagles take care of business, who are you pulling for in that game? Who would you like to see the Eagles face from a drama standpoint, just a matchup standpoint, who would you uh, enjoy seeing the Eagles face in the NFC championship game? If they, if they get that far, I've gone back and forth on this so much. Um, and it feels insane to say that I trust Brock Purdy in a playoff game more than I trust Dak Prescott. But that's kind of where I'm at. Like, as I watch the games, I feel like Dak Prescott, if he plays at the level he played against the Buccaneers, the Cowboys might be the favorites to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Just an incredible performance from him. But then he turns around, you know, the week before against Washington, and he's just absolutely horrible. And he's been up and down all year. Turnovers have been an issue. Like, I feel like Brock Purdy's not going to implode in a playoff game because Kyle Shanahan won't let him. I feel like Dak Prescott has the potential to implode. Like, it feels like to me in that game, Dak Prescott is either going to go off and he's going to beat the 49ers or he's going to go off and he's going to beat his own team. Like, it's one Mm -hmm. of those two things. And obviously, you would rather face the Cowboys defense. Uh, They've got less playmakers on offense. It's a tough call. I think I would rather face in a vacuum. I would rather face the Cowboys, but I don't want the Cowboys to get to an NFC title game. So I'm probably pulling for the 49ers, but I do think a slightly better matchup would be the Cowboys. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword because one hand they make it to the NFC championship game. Uh, and then we have to deal with that. And then like, it, like lo- potentially losing to them in it. Like I don't, I would have to like get off the internet. Like, I don't know if I'd be able to withstand that. That would be, that would be, that would be very tough. It'd be funny to see them get eliminated, get knocked out. I would love to see them get knocked out in the first round, but everybody was acting like, I never understood the people that were saying like the Bucks and Cowboys game was a toss up because one team was good for a large part of the year. Another team wasn't very good for basically all the year. So I, I don't I don't understand why they I get Tom Brady in the postseason and, and, and all that. And Brett Maher with whatever whatever he was going through, <laughs> it looked like that, you know, shaving points, whatever the situation was. So maybe Tom Brady was going to uh, uh, to come back. So uh, that guy was all he was 50 of 53 on extra points this year and he missed, missed four, four in a row in that game. Four. That's just insane. I never seen anything, anything, anything like that in my lifetime. Four, four in a row like that, and they were gonna go for the field goal. And McCarthy basically pulled him off and said, "If you don't get back over here," but he's gonna go with them. He's gonna go with them, and they're not gonna hold kicker tryouts in the postseason because that's that's wild too. So they're gonna go with them, and they're gonna pray that it doesn't that it doesn't cost him a game. So you know, good on the Cowboys for doing that. Any final points you want to hit on before we uh, put up put a bow on this and get ready for the uh, the division around here for the Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, and another bad matchup out of this game for the Eagles. And there's a few of those, right? What they do schematically on defense, the blitzing, that's been a struggle for the Eagles. What they do on offense, you know, they want to go heavy personnel and run the ball. That's given the Eagles problems. Mobile quarterbacks have given the Eagles problems. And we talked about some of those. Another bad matchup is Dexter Lawrence with Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey is a great center. Athletic mover in space, but he's undersized and he's always struggled with like big nose tackles and Dexter Lawrence lines up almost every play uh, head up on the center. And he's going to do that to Jason Kelsey. And uh, this season, or, well, if you watch the Vikings game, he had eight pressures from the nose tackle position 
uh, rushing against Garrett Bradbury, who's an undersized center for the Vikings. Now, he's not as good as Jason Kelsey, but he put him on skates all game. Uh, this season, Dexter Lawrence has 29 pressures from the nose tackle position, which leads the NFL. Second place only has eight. So he's like over triple, almost four times as many pressures from nose tackle. Now, he almost exclusively plays there, but that's going to be something to watch, especially. Uh, they're not going to be able to slide protection a lot when you got a guy on your center, you just got to block him. And so you're not going to be able to slide protection as much lane Johnson playing right tackle. Uh, he's expected to play. How good is he going to be? How, will he be able to play? I don't know. Like they're not taking live reps with him in practice. He could go out on the field, the first play of the game and be like, I can't do this. And all of a sudden you got Jack Driscoll back out there and you can't slide to protect him. So it's a contingency you have to plan for that. The health things are really interesting to watch. You know, the first drive of the game has the potential to make you feel really good. If you get a Jalen hurts run, you know, so they know that they're fine designing runs for him. If uh, lane looks fine, all of a sudden you feel a lot better about this game, but there's some unknowns there and there's some bad matchups. The Eagles should handle business. Uh, if I told you in September, that the road to the Super Bowl was a home game against Daniel Jones and then a potential home game against Brock Purdy. You would have been really pumped up about that, uh, but it is the playoffs. And so everything's magnified. Uh, I expect it to be a good game. I expect it to be a game that stresses us out into the fourth quarter, but ultimately I expect the Eagles to walk out with a win. Yeah. I think that's the general consensus to this point. But yeah. If you would have asked, uh, if you would have asked us back in September, like we're gonna we're gonna face Daniel Jones, we're gonna get the first round by. You're gonna face Daniel Jones in the divisional round, and you avoid, uh, you know, the 49ers potentially until the NFC Championship game. I think everybody would uh would, would sign up for that. So we're gonna pull for the Eagles, obviously, uh, to take care of business against the Giants. See who if it's going to be that uh that that rivalry NFC Championship game, or if it's gonna be Brock Purdy and that uh San Francisco defense appreciate all of you for tuning into this edition of the epa podcast that's eagles player analysis here on bgn radio be sure to subscribe on wherever you listen to your podcast you can follow me on all social platforms at uh the philly pod be sure to keep it locked on the bleeding green nation for all the shows that they have going on here shane where can the people find you what do you have coming on on the pipeline for the week leading up to the eagles first game of the postseason uh yeah you can follow me on twitter at half and half underscore tpl I'm on YouTube at Shane Half NFL. Have not uploaded any All 22 stuff since Week 17, uh, but I'll be back to that after the Giants game. So uh, you can check that out. Uh, Chalk Talk went live last night, so you can go check that out if you want to on YouTube or Apple Podcasts. We reviewed all of the wild card games, ranted about Brandon Staley a lot, and then we kind of previewed all of the all of the divisional games. So you can check that out if you want a little more NFL focused, and then. Yeah, just keep it tuned here to the BGN radio feed. We'll be back next week with another EPA podcast, breaking down an Eagles victory. I'm speaking Please. it into existence uh, and getting you guys ready for the <laughs> NFC title game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. As for my podcast, that goes back live uh, tomorrow. Hasn't been hasn't been a new episode since uh, Christmas break. So now we're finally getting back into the uh, swing of things of getting that show back on the road. So be sure to go subscribe to the Philly pod as well on all pod platforms. Shane and I, like you said, we'll be back with you guys next week, hopefully recapping an Eagles victory as we prepare for the NFC championship game against either the Dallas Cowboys or the San Francisco 49ers. Follow us both on socials. We'll keep catch you guys next week right here on bleeding green nation. Go birds.